0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Orange Slices. I'm your host, Keith Pierce, alongside my co-host, Mark McKenzie. Mark, look, we've got a great guest today. We're not going to spoil it. It probably says it in the description already, so maybe we have already spoiled it to get people to listen to this. But before we turn the attention to him, let's talk about you, man. You you made your debut this weekend.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, it was uh, against Club Bruges. Uh Big game, you know.
0: What a game by the way to make a huge to make your debut. A huge game.
1: Yeah, yeah, very big. Very, very big. You know, the rivalry is there. Um ultimately it would have been sick to have fans in the stadium. I hear it's absolutely amazing atmosphere. Um, but again, it was it was a huge moment, I think, for myself and, and everyone involved. Um, to get the, the faith, have the faith of the trust and trust of the club, uh, the the coaching staff of my teammates, you know, to go out there and perform, and I think that was huge. Um, so I was, you know, I'm I'm excited to to you know see what's next. But uh, but yeah, I think it was a really good first step. Ultimately, didn't get the victory, spoils it a little bit, but you know had a good outing. So yeah, we'll we'll see what the the coming weeks look like.
0: Yeah, the upside is that it's a busy schedule for you, and that like you know you probably never look back at that again, other than like you know those first ones anyway. You just want to play, you want to get out in the game, and then now you want to just now you're like okay, now I'm playing in this league, and it's time to go. Was there anything specific you remember that was different from other experiences that you had uh, in in MLS in terms of the intensity or speed or or whatever it was? Was there anything different that you were like, oh man, this is different?
1: Uh, I think the intensity, the intensity of like. Uh, closing the ball down, getting pressure to the ball, uh, the the attention to the fine details. Uh, I think sometimes in the MLS you can get away with it a little bit um, where, you know, I have the athleticism, you know, I can recover on a sprint, you know, I can beat most guys in the air. Um, you know, I don't have to go as hard into tackles because I know a lot of these guys are going to back out of the tackles when I come in, um, whereas here, everything's a, everything's a fight. You know, it's a dogfight for 50-50 duels in the air. It's a dogfight for positioning in the box on set pieces. It's a uh, a scrap um, you know, for for just little things, you know, it's the attention to the body shape, you know, when you're defending, you know, uh, in the defensive transition moment, uh, the the weight of your pass, you know, what foot you play to, all these little details that you really have to, to pay attention to because other teams like Bruges, ultimately, they're going to capitalize on it because they have the talent, the experience and, you know, the quality ultimately to, to punish you for it.
0: Yeah, I found that to be a real shock for me is just tactically, as I sort of got into better teams in my career in Europe, especially uh, just tactically and technically how much more sound they were. Athleticism, I was always the fastest, uh, you know, I could jump the highest. I always like outmarked anybody on any team that I played on in Europe. But there was just an understanding of the game that was different of positioning that just using the 11 players on the field made it harder for any individual to do something. Did you feel do you feel like that at all?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, the staff really made me cognizant of it before the match, um, and then stepping out onto the field and experiencing that in live time. I think that was was ultimately the best learning, uh, the best, yeah, ultimately best learning experience. Because you're not going to know what to do unless you're actually in the position, you know, in in, in live time. So uh, I think that was again a huge aspect that that I think now that I have it under my belt will only help me further. Um, so again, Bruges is the best team probably um, in our league, and I think that we showed in that match that we can compete with them just the same. It's just the fine details, again, the tactics, the the, the little, the small percentages that that make the most uh, in those those tight games.
0: Well, listen, uh, it needs to be said. Congratulations on your European debut. That's awesome. Um, and should we get into this interview?
1: Let's do it. Um, and before we get into it, I just want to remind every single person that listens to our podcast make sure you subscribe and please leave a review we need them reviews okay we want to know what you guys want to hear who you want to have on the podcast and and if you you know ultimately want heat to get another haircut or something or to shave his beard you know evenly you know but again you guys can't see him so anyway let's get into it
0: All right, so our guest today is Tyler Adams. He's been part of the Red Bull or Rosenball Sport uh, soccer family since joining the academy at 11 years old. Uh, he was a USL Cup winner uh, as a teenager uh, when he was playing with uh, RB NY2 or NYRB2. Uh, made his MLS debut in 2016, won a supporter's shield in 2018, joined RB Leipzig in 2019, and has gone on to feature. All over the pitch and done some great things, including uh, a goal in the UCL quarterfinals to lift Leipzig to their first ever semifinals. Mark, how do you know Tyler? And uh, I mean, you must be excited to be chatting with him today, right?
1: Yeah, man. You know, ironically enough, we're both February birthdays. So, you know, shout out to all the February birthdays out there. You know, February just breathes greatness. I don't know what it is about February, but, you know, what can I say? Um, Yeah, I think I, I ran into Tyler in the academy when let's see was it U14? I think it was U14 and this guy was just a machine. He was he was all over the pitch, man. He covered so much ground. He was a a beast, you know, when it came to to duels, 50-50 tackles. You could tell he was just a step ahead of a lot of guys. Um and I think at that moment everyone kind of saw it already and 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 Red Bull obviously uh they saw it and and they pushed him, you know, on to, to do to do great things, but uh, but yeah, this guy—he's—he's he's a beast, and and he's cons- consistently improving. You know, year in, year out, we see it in every match. You see how he's able to to compete with the best of the best. You know, when we talk about going from USL to to first team, and then uh, to Rebels first team, and then making the move to to Leipzig and and making it look seamless. You know, making it look so you know so smooth. I think that's just a testament to the player he is, the the character he has. Um, and and ultimately, you know, he's he's a great guy off the pitch as well. You know, an outspoken guy. You know, a guy who's who's a natural leader. Um, and I think that's why you know we're we're, we're cool to this day. So I'm excited to, to to play. You know, alongside him. You know, going forward with with the national team and uh, may possibly clash against him. You know, in the Champions League, hopefully one day, and maybe even share the pitch with him. You know, you never know. So um, again, great guy, uh, great footballer, and. Uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to, to chat with him.
0: All right, so let's welcome in our guest, RB Leipzig, midfielder, defender, wingback, uh, two way midfielder, number six, number eight, four, three, five, two, uh, on the back line, and UCL semi finalist and fellow supporter shield winner, Tyler Adams. Tyler, what's going on, man? Appreciate you joining us.
2: Yeah, nothing much. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing all right, doing all right. How's life out for you in, uh, Leipzig uh, right now. Uh, We know that like things have gone back on lockdown in Germany? Yeah, we went
2: back on lockdown. Uh, It's pretty similar to to everywhere else now, um, around the US and and in Europe. Um, I mean, we still have restaurants open for takeaway and and everything like that. So all the small businesses are still open. Yeah, but from a lockdown perspective, it's basically training back home and that's the day.
0: Mark, I think you got got your first taste of life in, in Belgium as well. Is is there is there a lockdown there too, or is everything good? Not good, but like you know,
1: yeah. Well, as as good as it can get, I guess you could say. Um, there's we're not. Re- it's like a semi lockdown. So the staff and the the club obviously don't want us going out too far and venturing too far because of you know situations. So um, it's pretty much similar to, to, to what Tyler has already said. You know, you go train, come back to your crib. Um, maybe go to the grocery store, get some, some, some ingredients for dinner. Um, and then come back to the crib. You know, I can't play PlayStation right now. Uh, PlayStation's gone.
0: RIP. But yeah, I got Netflix and whatnot. So, (laughs) hey, hey, Tyler, did you see when he was posted on social that he was trying to, he was actually trying to fix his PlayStation? Like he had, he had tool. Did you buy those tools locally and you're trying to fix them? No,
1: no, no, no. So listen, when I got here. My dad always says, like, anytime you go anywhere, make sure you have, like, a toolkit of some sort. So I got here. I was like, all right, I told the team manager, listen, where's, like, a hardware store? I need a hardware store. I need, like, a wrench, Allen wrench. You know, I need screwdrivers, flatheads, all that. You know, make sure I have that in stock just in case. Not that I want to use it, but, look, desperate times call for desperate measures. And this was a desperate time. So I needed to, to, to figure out a way to get this PlayStation 4 back to life. Took it apart, all for nothing.
2: It's gone. The fact the fact that you signed a new contract in Europe and you have not purchased a PlayStation 5 yet. Instead, you're going to buy tools and looking up tutorials on how to take it apart and fix it. I got bigger questions for you, man.
1: Listen, 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 listen. Listen. Balling on the budget. All right. Listen, I said the PlayStation 4, I wasn't gonna buy the five. I wasn't gonna buy the five until until the four died. Now we're at that point. So I'm obviously gonna buy the PlayStation 5. Now I actually have one. My shoe plug. He was able to connect me, so I got one on the low coming over here. Hopefully, it's real. Hopefully, it's real.
0: Tyler, what was the what was the first thing that you 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 bought when you got to when you when you first got to Europe? I know you bought your mom a car, right? At one point, I, I remember seeing that. But what was the first thing you like splurged on yourself, or like a weird thing, or whatever it is that you bought yourself?
2: Oh man, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't really splurged too much. I, I always told myself uh, when I was in the MLS or anything. That when I went to Europe and made my debut, that the first thing I'd buy is a watch. So I got myself a Rolex uh, after I made my debut. Um, and I've worn it minimal times. So <laughs> not necessarily the best purchase, but it is what it is. I got to
1: ask. I got to ask, because cause now, like, Tyler, I'm here in Belgium. And this is, like, my first, like, move abroad, right? So you made a move similar two years two years ago, yeah? What were, like... Cause I know when I first got here, it was, I I had to quarantine. It was different times as well. COVID and everything doesn't really help the situation, but I had to quarantine. I was in the hotel by myself, you know, and it all kind of came down on me at one time. Like, oh crap. I'm like, I'm actually here. I was preparing mentally for football, but like off the pitch, like, oh, what is life going to be like? Um, So what were like some of the challenges and and whatnot that you faced, you know, whether it be on the pitch or off the pitch, once you
2: did make the move over? Yeah. I mean, I I think, uh, I think anyone will say that the the biggest challenge when you, you, You know, first come to Europe, a foreign country, foreign language um, is kind of venturing outside of, you know, your little football world, you know, meeting different people um, that can help you possibly, you know, fit into the lifestyle and the culture. So, you know, for me, for the first six months that I came here, I, to be honest, I was just so focused on football and, and obviously breaking into the squad, you know, playing games regularly, doing everything I can. Um, that I didn't really think about it too much. You know, I came home, I did what I had to do, go to sleep, wake up and, you know, continue to grind. Um, You know, now that my girlfriend lives with me, it's a completely different story. Like we go out, we're able to do things, obviously pre-corona times, and it feels like Corona's obviously lasted forever now. Um, But pre-corona time, you know, being able to take trips when you have two days off saying, yeah, let's go explore somewhere. Let's, you know, find history about this, about that, read about this. um, That definitely helped me a lot. So. I mean, I definitely you know feel your situation. It's it's got to be much harder for you, you know, coming now during a, a COVID time where you know you can't even really step out and, be, and you know learn about the city that you live in. Um, but for me, you know, <laughs> going to a smaller city in Leipzig as well was also helpful because there's not too much that I'm missing out on when you know there's times like this or when I was just staying inside. Whereas you know other cities around Germany, obviously like Munich and, and Berlin, are you know really cool cities that I've you know visited and explored.
0: That's awesome that i i i started my career in in denmark and it was at midseason as well i was coming out of college at that time which is very different than you guys tyler you obviously red bull academy for most of your life and then going to leipzig how big of a change was it uh for you to 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 like leave home right i was part of the residency program in bradenton like my life had sort of been flipped upside down from like 15 on and i feel like i missed out on a lot of Personal and whatever development, but you guys have been in in one system your whole life and in pretty much one place for both of you. Uh, kind of what, what was that like for you to move initially, and and you know um, any advice that you would give Mark?
2: Yeah, no, there's there a lot of decisions that honestly that. Uh, my parents helped me big time make, you know. So, like you said, you went down to Bradenton and went to the residency program. I got invited uh, during my under seventeen cycle to go down um, and uh, and join the the program. Except those were ninety eight to ninety seven, so I would have been playing up. And my dad told me that uh, you know for the first year of, of that cycle that I was just going to stay home and and uh, you know go to high school and um, continue to play with Red Bull Academy because. That's such a, there's such important years of your life that you're not going to get back. And he understood that. Whereas for me, I didn't quite understand that. I'm like, come on, you're making me miss an opportunity. Like I need to be going down there so I can prove for them. And he's like, trust me in the long run, that's going to mean nothing that first year. It's going to be the last 12 months of that cycle to where you're going to be able to make the world cup and prove yourself. And, you know, I I look back on it and I'm like my sophomore year of high school was such an important year for me. You know, I made so many Mm -hmm. friends there that I still talk to so many connections. And I also got to play my own age group in, in Red Bull Academy, which I think helped me develop a lot. So um, they pushed me out of the house to go down to the second year uh, in Bradenton, which was a, a huge learning experience for me. Um, and then when I signed my professional contract at, at Red Bull, um, they pushed me to live on my own uh, the last six months before I, I um, left to come to Leipzig. So I, I got a feel of what it was like, you know, just little things from you know what you need to cook, the, the things you need mm-hmm. to buy house to furnish your apartment just those little things you know have definitely helped me a lot so i mean as far as mark i mean you're you're obviously a little bit older than me when i first came over here but yeah. you've had the experiences now already that you know you 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 know what you need to do you know on the field of course is going to take care of itself but um off the field you're just you know way ahead of your years of course and mature than most players that come over here at a younger age so um you're already ahead of the game from that standpoint
1: the whole the whole experience again of being in the academy system it, it it really does i think set you up um in a way of uh preparing you for what it's going to be like at the next level um and even down to to what what tyler's coach said you know about the the last 12 months you know that that portion there being the most important part uh, i think i was talking i spoke to to tab about tab ramos about it at one point in time um tyler you you had him in, in the 20 cycle uh the 20 cycle yeah um and we were just, you know, talking about what, what the national team and the setup, and I was I was kind of explaining it to him. I was like, yeah, I kind of came onto the scene late, and he was like, it doesn't matter if you came on late, but I think that portion of your, your career is is the most important part, you know. Yeah, you can be in the national team for U14, U16, whatever, but you want to be in it when it matters most with the U, U20s, U you know, the U17, U20s, and into the senior team now, into the Olympic squad. Um, so, again, the, the, those chats really helped as well. Um, and then, again, like you said, once you, once you, you prepare yourself, you know, your, your parents, they, they wanted you to live on your own, you know, and I think that was the biggest thing that my folks prepared me for in the last, you know, this past year of whenever it happened, um, whenever the transfer happened, because it it could have been over the summer, it could be, well, it's now, but, um, you know, whenever it did happen, just preparing, you know, making sure, you know, little recipes to get you by, you know, do you know how to put, how long you put the pasta in, how long, you know, do you, do you want to grill the chicken, do you want to bake the chicken, do you want to uh, you know, fish, you know, what seasoning, you know, paprika, seasoning salt, you know, these little things that you need in the apartment that, you know, that you're not gonna really think about cause you're at home, but but once you get to go abroad, it's like, oh yeah, I do need some forks and knives and stuff, you know, like, <laughs> I can't use plastic, you know, and, and whatnot, so.
0: That makes sense. Uh, I- you know, one of the other things that that I found interesting, right, is that you guys have so much talent going on with the ages that you have, the age group that you guys are now, and so much talent coming into the national team. And obviously, almost all of the stories came through an MLS Academy at some point, right? Whether it was on the early days, and they left like a like Gio Reyna not really playing any first team ball going abroad, um, to you guys going through the first teams. But before that, also having the infrastructure of USL, you guys both obviously played a few games when you were you know, young teenagers that got you professional experience. Do you think that was a beneficial part of, of, of your growth, making sure that before you were really breaking into the first team, were you on the verge of the first team, you had a place that you could play high-level minutes regularly?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that was huge, right? The USL for me, and, and obviously the same with Mark having that Philly Union uh, 2 team, is that it's directly correlated with, you know, the first team coaches looking over you. So, I mean, obviously there's some teams in MLS that have a, a team that's not directly in the city, so they have to watch games online. Whereas for me, you know, I was being coached by John Walniak, who, you know, at every game was Jesse Marsh. So um, I was also able to prove myself at the same time. They were able to track my my uh, my development over the years, but, but those games in the USL were, were so important because, you know, you talk about a 16-year-old being thrown into professional games. and the speed of play, the physicality of the game, um, these are all things that you have to adapt to and and it helped me adapt quickly because as soon as I moved into the first team, I felt that I was prepared to to battle with these guys, to play for a spot and show what I was capable of.
1: Yeah, no, I jump off of that as well, just in the sense of it being a a stepping stone, you know, an introduction into what it's going to be like in the, the the next level, what it's going to be like in the professional realm. Because at the end of the day, everyone's fighting for a spot, and these are you're you're, you're a kid, obviously, you're a teenager coming into to the team, um, but you're ultimately now fighting with grown men who are also on contracts, you know, and that that experience there of knowing what it's like, it it, it helped me tremendously, you know. So that way, now again, when you step into the first team environment day in and day out you got to make sure you put your best foot forward because you're not only fighting to get on the pitch but you want to stay on the pitch you know so it's it's you know an experience that I think every young player should go through in order to to really prepare themselves for that next that next step
0: yeah that I, mean, I I think one of the hardest parts for me you know having come out of the college system for I was in college for for two whole years and and just that transition into a professional environment was really hard like you just mentioned Mark to know that you got to turn it on every day, to know that you're going there and effectively you're potentially taking somebody's job from them, right? Like all those things that you guys are coming through now, you're coming with a lot more experience going to Europe, knowing that you you got to compete, you know, what it's like to be in a professional environment, what it's like to train twice a day, what it's like to have long days or preseasons, all those things that like I was at a point or at an age, I went abroad when I was 20, but I was still at a point where I was very immature in a lot of these ways. And you guys now, you know, from teenage years have so much professional uh, experience. Is there a huge difference in the way that, that, that you, now, Mark, you are uh, experiencing Belgium for the first time and, and Tyler in, in, in Leipzig. Is it a big difference from what you were at in, in MLS in those environments or, or like was it comparable to where you could take things with you?
2: Yeah, it's, it's definitely comparable. Um, I would say that there's, there's a lot more similarities than differences, right? Because you know, as soon as I came abroad, you know, you don't really realize it at first, but there's more people in your in your situation than in MLS. Like when you come in MLS, everyone's basically playing on home soil. You look at a 28-man roster in MLS and say 20 of those guys are, are from the U.S., right? Whereas now I come to, to Germany and I look at our squad and I look around the locker room and I'm like, 20 out of those 28 guys are now foreigners. And in similar situations, having to leave home where German's not your first language um, and having to figure out how to go about life, you know, which is which is very different. So when you can sit down and you can talk to guys that have also gone gone through a similar experience as you, um, it's definitely easy to relate because again, the soccer stuff will take care of itself. When you're on the pitch, you know, it's just soccer. But off the pitch, you have to find a way of you know creating a life for yourself and and making where you are home because that's the way you're going to be the most successful is when you're comfortable where you are.
1: Well said. Well said. I think that. It's interesting for me because Tyler, you're at Leipzig, and every time I turn on the TV, you are torching the pitch. Sometimes on the 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 flank, sometimes through the middle, you're scoring goals. I mean, you're not you're nine now. You're nine now, so you can add that to the list. What would you say is like your your preferred position? um, If you did, you know, uh, that's just that's just what I'm I'm curious to hear. Just in the system at Red Bull.
2: Yeah, yeah. Number six is um my most comfortable position um I mean under our our, our current manager he has a lot of flexibility in the team so even even when I'm playing as a I mean a right back or right wing back whatever you want to say I mean I kind of have the freedom to do what I want and come into the midfield receive the ball break up plays and do you know play to my strengths but um you know I've had the the luxury of being able to play multiple positions, which has helped me a lot because it helps me get on the field, of course. Um, but obviously, you know, when you feel like you have the biggest effect in, in one position, you want to play that position. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you go on the field, you got to do your job. So, um, yeah, six for me is, is my best position um, where I feel I have the biggest effect on the game. But whatever gets me on the pitch. <laughs>
0: Yeah, dude, I I sometimes watch highlights of, of your games. And before games start, like if I'm going to watch your game, I'll go on like Live score app and see where you're playing. And sometimes I'll be like, is he actually playing there? Because they'll have you in all kinds of different spots on there. Then I got to wait and see. And then other times when I don't watch the games, but I go and watch the highlights, and I'm trying to figure out what position you played based on what Live score told me you played. And you will be up by the goal, and then you'll be back in the midfield, and then you'll be at right fullback. And I'm sometimes I'm leaving going like, I think he's playing wingback, but I'm not sure because he's checking into pockets and stuff, you know, like he's, he's moving everywhere. You know, This
2: is why he gets uh, you know so much praise is because his tactical, like, you know, nuances that he has, like for the last, the last game that we played against mines um, with the ball, I was playing as like a right joker. So I was playing as a winger. And then when we were pressing high, I was defending as uh, a fullback. And then when we were defending deep in like a block, I would play a six, like, I played three positions in one game like it's unbelievable but like how that's helped me develop like mentally of the game like I feel like I can play in any system easily now just from playing in, in
0: Hey, uh I got I got to ask you this though because you are week in week out at the top of the Bundesliga and one, like kind of what are the team's goals? Is, is, it, is it actually like, you know, is it, is it to win the championship or is it a Champions League position being sort of the first goal of the year? Uh, because, you know, for me, it was a completely different experience, right? Like my first Bundesliga game was away to Bayern Munich. And then from there, it was just literally, I mean, it started downhill in that game. And then from there, it was literally like the number one goal when we went into preseason was like, let's survive. Uh, in the Bundesliga, and it's just very different than like uh, the mentality that you guys have, which is like taking it to teams and 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 literally expected to get three points every week. And what is what is that like, or what's the pressure like, and is it different with fans versus without fans?
2: Yeah, first it's it's definitely uh, different with fans and without fans. Of course, I mean you go in with the same job, same mindset. Um, but for instance, when you score goals and you don't have that electric vibe in the atmosphere to give you you know, the continued momentum throughout a game, I mean, games can change, you know, very quickly now. And I think, um, you know, I read something, uh, you know, a couple of months ago when we obviously started playing without fans and just seeing how, you know, the bigger teams are, are often, you know, getting worse results or a certain amount of points per game now than with fans, because, you know, for these big, you know, for the smaller games, you get up for them, you know, very easily when you have fans because, you know, they just get you through the game. But, Um, you know, the bigger games are still the same. Uh, but the focus throughout the games obviously changes sometimes. So you definitely got to stay tuned into the details. Um, yeah, but for me, you know, when I first came here, um, the expectation of the team was to continually, you know, make top four. Top four is the first goal every single year. Um, with how Airby has kind of developed over the years, no one I think would have predicted, um, at how successful the club would be so quickly. Um, so that kind of changed the perspective now because now we go into the season, like this season saying, we have, we, have, we have to compete for the league this year. Um, and I think each year after this, we're going to continue to make that our objective. But, you know, playing Champions League is the most important thing at the end of the day. Um, we want to, you know, finish top four. Uh, we have a lot of competitions that we want to stay involved in. Pokal is one of our big ones. Hopefully, we can, you know, win that this year. Um, we have Champions League tie against Liverpool coming up. So, um, you know, when you throw all these games into the mix, it makes it you know, a lot more difficult to, to win the Bundesliga. And that's why it's so impressive, you know, what Bayern's done because we play against Bayern every game and we're like, wow, we had a real opportunity to beat them. And then, you know, they go on these crazy runs of just <laughs> winning game after game after game after game. And it's like insane. Like whenever you think they slip up you, and you have a chance to overtake <laughs> them, it's like you don't. It's It's incredible.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was – I think that was probably – one of the biggest things that that I found over here as well when I came to, to Gank was how uh intense it was because of the fact the expectations are to win the league or at the minimum finish top four. Um, you know, in the MLS it's like, Yeah, you wanna win the league, but you know you have playoffs as well, so playoffs are like, Oh, it's right there, you know, we're you know, as long as we're in playoffs, you know, we can we can still make a run, you know. Um, so, again, that, that transition, that, that change in mentality now of every game mattering in, in in this league, it's like any team can beat you. That was the one thing that I noticed is no matter if they're, they're at the bottom of the table or, or you know, Bruges, who are, are now in first right now, but any team can beat you, and you got to really go into each match with the mentality of, like, these three points are are, are pivotal in order for us to, to maintain our spot because the three or two through six are all within six, seven points of each other. So a match or two can can change the turn, you know, of, of where you finish at the end of the season. Um and, and Gank, you know, having produced the, the players it has and, and the caliber, uh the caliber of the club in the past, they they expect, you know, to at least be in the Champions League at the minimum Europa League. So it's yeah, it's been it's been an adjustment. But I think that's that's very, very, very similar to, to what it's like. If, of course you're doing it against the, the best of the best, you know, you're competing against the, 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 the but, you know, I think that's what, that's what we all, what we all aspire to do, you know, and you're set in the way. So yeah, man, keep bagging these goals. <laughs> Thanks,
0: bro. Tyler, you talked about how your girlfriend's living with you now and life is obviously different. You know, I, I, I found when I lived in Copenhagen, it was easy. Everybody spoke English. It was great. When I lived in Rostock, Which you're you're on the younger generation in Leipzig. It's it's people are probably speaking English more. But when I was there, it was only people that were 18 and younger that were learning English in school. Older, older, you had like Polish and Russian and whatnot. So I found the adjustment to be hard. But especially when I, you know, once I learned German, everybody was super nice to me. But before that, when I had like injuries and stuff, I don't. Can you give us a perspective or a window into what it's like to, you know? when you were just settling in and if you, any sort of setback, not major injury, but that, like how hard that can be to be alone away from family in a faraway place where, you know, you don't know the language and and sort of the mentality of, of, of what you've had to go through anytime, even if it's like missing a training session or missing a week.
2: Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely difficult. I mean, I, I think that, man, last year for me, the first six, seven months, I didn't, I didn't play a game. I don't think I played a game until December something. Um, so it was definitely difficult having to go through the the injury process. That was my first injury that I had. Um, and it kept me out longer than obviously I expected. You know, you wake up some days and you say, yeah, I can definitely go and train today. And then I'd go train and then, you know, you'd be set back a little bit longer. Um, so the expectation for me and the mentality that I have is like, I just want to play, of course. Um, but when you're out here alone and, your, jo- your sole job and purpose to be here is to play soccer and you can't play soccer. It's like, why, like, what am I doing here? Like, what's the point of me being here? Like, you know, you don't have your friends, you don't have your family around. Whereas when I was in New York and I'd pick up a slight knock or something like that, I'd miss a week, it's like, whatever, you know, I'm going to hang out with my friends now. <laughs> like, you don't really you don't really look at it that way. But now, now <laughs> when I got injured here, I'm like, okay, it's time for me to hop on a plane and go back home because what am I doing here? Um, as soon as I came to accept the fact that like I need to just grind through this, and as soon as I grind through this, it's going to be better. Um, I was able to you know heal faster and, and just come you know mentally to to peace with it because then I realized you know I got to fit in, I got to make a life of where I'm at because you're never just it's just never going to be the same um, when you you know you can't comprehend like why am I injured when you try to think about all these, these negative these negative thoughts and whatnot. So. Um, you know, only positive thoughts now, uh, you know, I've been healthy now for quite a bit of time, which has been good. Get a run of games, but yeah, you go through, you go through a dark place when you're in a foreign country and people don't understand it until they go through it. Um, and I think that's the hardest, you know, the hardest part to explain.
0: Mark, I know we're going to get to music right now, but I got to say, you're going to find yourself soon. I don't know if you drink coffee or not, but you're going to find yourself soon. Asking I, I was asking I was asking teammates all the time to go get coffee. I didn't drink coffee at all while I was living in Europe, but I'd be like, hey, let's go get coffee. Just so I could be somewhere with people talking about something and not just sitting in my house uh by myself with like the blackout curtains playing video games.
1: Nah. Yeah, I know. You you had the freaking you, nah, you probably didn't even play video games. You probably used like a Rubik's Cube or something. You you, you seem like one of those guys, you know, you sit in sitting the do a Rubik's nah. Cube. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah,
0: man. I, I, I would I was playing uh I was playing Call of Duty back then. Call of Duty was still out then. That was like Call of Duty one.
1: Yeah, I know. But um for 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 the Champions League, for the Champions League, I kinda wanna go back to this real quick. Um you freaking broke American soccer Twitter after you scored that goal. How does
2: that feel? Like I have Twitter and, and whatnot. Um, but I'm not honestly since I left MLS, I just haven't haven't been on it, which has been Honestly, for the better. I mean, there's so much banter and stuff on there, which is why I kind of miss it. But like in my group chats and stuff like that, my friends will always send me whatever tweets are relevant. But yeah, I'm just not really on Twitter. So uh, I think that's that's definitely helped me. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my parents have told me that after a it was obviously um, doing the or going well with whatever people were putting out
0: there. But yeah. Mark, let me put it into perspective for you. After he scored that, like Tyler used to get back to me uh, in the DMs like pretty quickly, and then after he scored that goal, it <laughs> might be a week, maybe ten days, <laughs> till till I, I'm even it, like he he, he, does, he doesn't he doesn't leave me on red, but you know how full that his DMs are when like he it's just like not even been opened yet. That's how that's how life has changed for him, you know.
1: He probably sent you back to the request.
0: Oh. I know for sure. For sure. I'm sitting in there because he knows he can just hit that one time clearance and it'll never show red again. I get it, man. He's a, he's a, he's a tactician. Hey, have, have you guys, have you, have you added Mark to the Americans abroad uh, WhatsApp group yet?
2: We don't even have an Americans abroad WhatsApp group, to be honest. Like we, we, we're all connected and stuff like that, but more just like, you know, text each other every now and then there might be a group chat made here or there. Ask a question. But, you know, it's been so weird not having national team camps and stuff like that. That usually keeps everyone so much more in touch because you're like, OK, once every two months you're going to be together. So let's like keep in touch. But like over the like eight months, like, yeah, I talked to Weston, I talked to Christian, I talked to Gio, like Josh, these guys that I'm that I'm really, really close with. Um, but like, to be honest, we, we just haven't, you know, always kept in contact. Video games. Yeah. But nothing crazy. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Have 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 either of you guys seen the the sort of national team uh, or American soccer landscape changing? Are you are you seeing are you are you guys recognizing the talent that your group has? Like, are you seeing the growth of the game? Are you seeing just the spotlight? The fact that so many players abroad, a lot of young players coming through MLS teams. Like, are you guys are you recognizing this growth happening? Or are you guys kind of just sort of saying yeah 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 like we get it, but like not really noticing how big of a deal this actually is.
2: Nah, it's, it's, it's a huge moment for, for U.S. soccer. And again, it's coming off the backside of this idea that the U.S. can't produce talent and everything because we didn't qualify for the World Cup. So, um, it's, it's, it's a slap in the face, I think, to a lot of people that, you know, felt like we were, you know, only going to get worse after not qualifying for the World Cup, where I think the U.S. has done a great job of saying, you know, instead of using this as a, as a, as a such a negative, let's use this opportunity to start playing all these youngsters and giving them minutes and showing what they're capable of. And, you know, now everyone is, you know, taking their opportunity and improve to these people what they're so capable of. And it's been amazing to see, you know, players younger and younger, literally every single weekend playing in these games and showing what they're capable of. So, um, yeah, it's a huge moment. You got guys going to big clubs now and, and people trusting in American soccer. And um, it's a good feeling because I feel that, you know, obviously, Mark, myself and a, a lot of our generation now have played a part in proving to these people that you need to trust these young players and give them the opportunity when they've shown it. Because, you know, it, guys can't prove to you every single training session what they're capable of unless you give them the opportunity on the weekend. Because you give one player that, that little bit of confidence and they take it, then forget about it. Then you can create superstars. Yeah,
1: uh, I think it's only it's only going to keep getting better, in my personal opinion. And I agree with everything Tyler said. It's. It's honestly, although yeah, we can call it a wave or, or a trend or whatever you want to say. I I really, I personally feel I feel like it's been in the works for a long time now, and now it's just a matter of us getting the opportunity to really showcase what we can do because we've always had it, you know. But again, it's about having the trust, belief, and those who are willing to invest in you, you know, want to to ultimately give you the opportunity to 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 put it, you know, put your abilities on on the, the limelight on the big stage. Um, and again, you know, we we ramped the opportunities, and, and we have a crop of, of even more young players coming up. So it's only going to get you know better with with you know guys like Tyler, you know, Weston, myself, Josh, Christian. That all these uh, you know over in Europe now, you know, creating this this pathway and inspiring the the next players. You know, like yeah, you can do it too. You just got to make sure you put the work in, and ultimately, when you get your opportunity, don't give it back.
2: Yeah, I think the I think the biggest part about that is like. You know, we're looking at like the 2022 World Cup, 2026 World Cup, and looking at like everyone's age and like how good they're going to be and whatnot. You know, by by 2026, watch, there's going to be a 20 year old that no one's heard about that everyone's like, this kid's now the next big thing. Like, forget about the 26, 27 exactly. year old. We we got this kid now that's as good as Tyler, as good as Weston, as good as Christian, and that's only going to push us to continue to develop and get better. So it's it's going to be, yeah, I think American soccer is moving in the right direction, and um, it won't be a wave like Mark said. It will be you know continuous now.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, uh, the difference is is that you guys are all young, right? It's not before, from my generation, like, we we were so excited when Clint Dempsey in the prime of his career got to Spurs, right? And we were all, like, riding for him. And we were, like, every day we'd focus, like, did, is he going to play this weekend? Is he not? Like, whereas you guys are, like, 20, 21, 19, 18, up to, like, 23, 24, years from your prime and playing week in week out in Champions League and big teams at big clubs and, like that trajectory, right? If we even saw a fall off where, okay, say both, say Tyler, you hit your ceiling, you're still playing for a team that's competing for a Bundesliga title year in and year out, as opposed to being like, oh, we get a guy in at Manchester United's youth team back in the day and doesn't ever break into the first team. And then he ends up like somewhere, someplace, you know, like never actually breaking in. You guys are actually first team at a very young age, which I think is, is really exciting. Um, Mark, let's uh, let's let's go into some uh, some rapid fire stuff, shall we? All right.
1: Favorite player of all time. Uh, Thierry Henry. Okay. Favorite U.S. Men's National Team player of all time. Ooh, uh, bro,
0: oh Yo, I'm right God. here, bro. I'm right here. That's hard. I'm I'm uh, right here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't say he. Okay. I'm okay, right here in front okay, of you. Okay. Okay. Uh, Wait, who did you say? <laughs> who did you say?
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. That's fair.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. Last one is. So we, so we have a public Spotify playlist that that we're making, and, and we're asking all our guests to, to throw a track on it. Um, it could be like a, a pre match, you know, song that, that gets you you know pumped for the match or something that you're feeling, you know, kind of nowadays. Um, I said you know the Joga you know, Mais Que Nada. You know, it's the uh, I don't know. You you can learn, you can search it later, but it's a it's a, a real banger. You know, the Brazilians. There was a Nike commercial with it. Um, Heath, he, he threw uh threw some Biggie on there with that wrong, uh Richards Chris Richards he threw on T Grizzly first day out, uh Mo Adu, he put on Dreams and Nightmares, so those are just a, a few. Uh so so what what track you trying to throw on here? Well, for me,
2: like I don't even listen to like I used to I used to listen to like Dreams and Nightmares before I went out like some hardcore like to get me pumped. Now it's just like calm vibes, man. Like I listen. To prayers to the trap gods from uh, Roddy Rich every time I before I go out. It's a, it's a calm song gets me in my vibe.
1: I like that. I like that calm vibes because everybody going for this rowdy. You know, hold on, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. You know, all that, all that yelling. Sometimes you just you you're just from yelling. Philly, man. You're from Philly. No. Nah, 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 nah. Listen, listen. Look, I listened to enough dreams and nightmares and Meek Mill. I got my full share of him. So, uh, so nah. That's it's a nice little change up. A nice little change up that you're doing
0: there. We're really rounding out this playlist, though. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Uh, Mark, you got any any more questions for our man here before we uh, send him on his merry way?
1: Um, I got one more. As a fellow supporter shield winner, um, you know, I just wanted to kind of touch on how difficult do you think it is to win the double? I mean, MLS is the double because it's the, the main, the main trophies,
0: I guess
2: you could call I it. You, I thought you were going to ask which team was better. I was going to say, come on. Nah,
1: come on. That's, that's, that's a, that's oh, a yeah, no brainer. Yeah, yeah. I got come two, on, I got two you, Tyler. guys. Right I got your back on that one. That. Come on now. <laughs>
2: um, to win the double. Yeah. I mean, I was going to, I was going to talk about it before when we were talking about like finishing top four in Europe and how that can be like a realistic goal. Like for me, bro, I don't know how you can even make it a realistic goal to win supporter Shield and win MLS Cup. Like, you're better off... Like, for me, I still believe that if my team that I played on just made it into the playoffs, we were winning MLS Cup. Whereas, instead, we mm-hmm. won supporter Shield, like, gave it everything we had to win Supporters' Shield, have the best record, win as many games as possible during the season, and then, yeah, you're, you're gassed by the time the, the playoffs roll around. And then, also, the playoff f- format this from this year then of course we're winning because we're playing at home the whole time. Like that's not even a competition. Like we had a, I think we lost one game during our season there at home. Like if you have a a good home record, you're winning the playoffs. If it's like, um, the way it was this, this, uh, this season because of COVID, obviously, but, um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. It's definitely a challenge. I mean, people that, that have won uh, the double is yeah. Really impressive.
1: Yeah. No, kudos to him because, uh, like you said, bro, we were, I could tell we were like, we had hit like our max of putting all into, to try and secure the supporter shield and thought we could turn it around. But that, that quick turnaround from, from ending the season, you know, on that note and trying to now reset and reprogram to, to get to a different playoffs is a different, a different beast. So, um, Heath, you win the supporter shield, bro? Yeah,
0: 2013.
1: Okay. I was just, I wasn't sure if you wanted to chime in. Yeah. I, um, I,
0: I, 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 you know, I, but, you know, it was, uh, we had Thierry Henry. We should have won MLS cup every year, but it's, it's, it's just, it's just different. Actually one year in MLS cup, uh, Thierry stepped into the box when Kenny Cooper took a penalty and then we had to redo it. And then Kenny Cooper missed. And then Rafa Marquez got sent off a few minutes later and we lost the, we lost the DC United. Like that's, uh, uh, yeah, like it, it, it is true though. Like there is if you actually follow a team and me as a fan now when I follow a team through a full season, right that MLS season is so long and to come out on top at the end of a regular season is incredible and then you got to go and play a team who's going to play you completely different in the playoffs. They don't care how it looks like look at look at Colum- like Columbus this year not to make this an MLS conversation, but it's really like if you can hit if you can be really bad all year long and hit a 10 game stretch into the playoffs, uh, you got a better chance than being good all year long, you know, just trending right before the playoffs, nothing to lose, and you you sneak in and, and, and you can you can make a run of it because at least you got some fresh legs maybe um, and you're riding on confidence versus like week in and week out, it's hard, man, over a full season.
1: They, they're a machine. They are a well-tuned, finely-oiled machine um, when it comes down to knowing what it takes to get to the end. So, uh, anyway. Well, listen,
0: that's, that's all the time we got. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, I know you got that national team group chat. You're just not letting Mark into it. But you, you guys, you for real though. On a serious note, you guys, you guys are inspiring a whole generation of people from the outside looking in. You know, we used to look at people and just be excited that they were playing in Europe, and now you guys are starting in big games against big teams, uh, and delivering. So that's pretty awesome. And uh, you know, no pressure, but 2026, you know,
2: 2022, 20, yeah,
1: 2020. that is true. Yeah, come on, bro. Hey, Heath. Like, we got to show some love back to the dinosaurs that came before us. So shout out to you too, bro.
0: I was just, I was just, I was just riding the coattails of some good <laughs> players around me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but thanks, Tyler. I appreciate it, man. Oh, good, bro. Appreciate you guys. Man, Mark, that was fun, man. Good game. Appreciate good game. it. Good game.
1: Well played. Good game. Good stuff. Hey, well, well played. played. Yeah. yeah. Good game, man. Good. Well done. Um, I like Tyler. He's a great guy. I told you before, man. He's a great guy. That's why we brought him on here. I like that. So
0: look, guys, uh, go find us on social at Slice of Soccer and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, and we will catch you next time. See ya. Peace.